0: Hey, it's Katie. And Alana. And we're back for another episode of the Black and Yellow Podcast. What's up, y'all? If you have embarked on this fantastic audio
1: journey and made your way to the show for the first time, what's up? Welcome. We are the Black and Yellow Podcast. You are in the Black and Yellow Nation, and we are happy to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Um, Subscribe if you like what you hear, and if you have been a regular member of the nation, for a while the nation of black and yellow for a while now we're happy to have you back fam katie is back in the saddle for another education deep dive episode yes Let's it ca-
0: doing good doing good i am really pumped about this episode are you hmm. I- i'm super pumped
1: that's funny because when we were planning it off mic, we were both getting very hot under the collar talking about it so hmm Exciting is an interesting word. I'm going to steal some of that excitement because this prepping this episode filled me with equal parts dread and sadness. Mm. So, yeah, lots of feelings are g- going to be stirred um in this episode. So, uh, hang on to your horses, guys. It's going to be a long <laughs> one. It's going to be a good one. Uh, if you have gone through the scholastic process, this might uh, stir up some pretty strong memories. If you're in it now, and uh have wanted someone to talk to you about this very subject and you wanted someone who was not your mama not your daddy not someone who's you know banking on your success exactly (laughs) (laughs) for a specific reason this episode is for you Mm -hmm. um because i don't think we can talk about education in any full and complete capacity without discussing one of the banes of most every student's existence, or at least it was the bane of my existence as a student, mm-hmm. so I assume it was the bane of everyone you. else's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be standardized testing.
0: Uh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's the soundbite for standardized
0: testing. <laughs> it's the reaction.
1: Exactly. I don't think anyone's like, standardized testing, yay, scantrons, pencils, <laughs> erasers, oh my! Uh, yeah, we're talking standardized testing today. The two most common examples of these tests would be the SAT and the ACT. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you, Katie, but it has always felt that to me, the messaging around these tests has always been, you must prepare for them. You must do well on them or your future hangs in the balance. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Oh, and with so the, with, much with very like dramatic dun 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 type of music and it's you know like it, it's not a comfortable place to be it's mentally. so dramatic it's just terrible and the thing that i think people don't often talk about enough with these mm. tests is that these tests were not created for everybody to do well on yes uh, In fact, when they first (laughs) reared their ugly heads, they were only meant for white people to do well on. And furthermore, Mm -hmm. standardized tests are often sold to us as a way to measure students' intelligence and academic ability. But Mm -hmm. studies have shown that they don't exactly do either of those.
0: Yes. And I would also like to add they were specifically meant for white men not mm. women. <laughs> I sit
1: corrected. Thank you for, letting, for adding that on because I certainly did not put that in my notes. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So standardized test uh, or standardized testing was often used to determine who, in my words, who will survive and thrive in college or university. Uh, for example, the SAT, which stands for Scholastic Assessment Test, and the ACT, which stands for American College Test, which I didn't know what either of those meant um, until oh we did God, this episode. Me neither. <laughs> I was me like, SAT, I don't actually know what that stands for, but sure, we know SAT um well thank our, goodness we're yeah. out of the scholastic
1: process now we know. now know what these
0: uh acronyms mean yeah right. like 10 years <laughs> later <laughs> um our norm reference right. test exactly yeah and they are used mm-hmm. to help determine if high school students will be admitted to selective colleges or just colleges in general so much stuff dun 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 it's so dramatic uh,
1: yeah so there's going <laughs> to Exactly. There's going to be quite a bit of history in this episode because there's a there's a good historical reference for when standardized tests started and the problem that we are facing with them currently today in 2021. So I wanted to give you a little history lesson, just a tiny one off the top, just to drop you in, give you a little bit of context for where we're going in this episode. Uh, So when. So uh, when did they start? That's a good sort of question to to jump off here. So standardized tests began in the U.S., quote, as the Industrial Revolution took school-age kids out of farms and factories and put them behind desks. Standardized examinations emerged as an easy way to test large numbers of students quickly, end quote. And that was according to Time Magazine article called standardized testing it was published on december 11th 2009 and it was by dan fletcher so as time went on the sat and the act tests were created to test students entering college then when no child left behind was signed into law in 2001 the lucky students in grades three through eight congratulations guys congratulations (laughs) us Uh, we're required to take standardized tests every year in order to determine the quality of public education for all students and that was according to a pbs article called no child left behind the new rules we are going to be going into much more history in this episode but we're going to put a pin in that for now because i want to talk about our initial thoughts and feelings with standardized tests okay What's been your experience? (laughs) Which of those tests did you take? Did you like Mm -hmm. them? How'd you prep for them? I want to know all the goods, Katie.
0: Okay. Um, You know, I only remember taking the PSAT, which is like the prep ACT that you take your junior year of high school to prepare for the actual SAT. (laughs) (laughs) That's a scam. Um, That's a scam. Yeah. I don't know why I spent that entire day at school on a Saturday taking that test. Yeah, but Damn. I don't actually remember taking the SAT. So I'm wondering if maybe my PSAT oh. score was good enough where I didn't have to take the SAT. I don't know if that's a thing or if that's how that would work. but Or maybe I just blocked mm. it out because it's bad experience or something. I just, you know, mm. didn't want to be triggered. So I just left it out of my mind and it's gone. I don't know. That's possible. Um, yeah, and I <laughs> um somehow got tricked into, and I say tricked because I wasn't aware of it until it happened. I got tricked into taking three AP classes my junior year, which is another form of standardized testing. Um, I don't I know need how that more happened. Info on
1: how you were tricked into these.
0: I went to a huh. uh, our school had like yearly presentations on doing high school dual credits through the college versus AP, and they always heavily were like, "Do AP, it's great, it's awesome," without really talking about the circumstances of like. You are going to be academically challenged, and you're going to go through all these things. And if you have a bad grade in this subject, you probably shouldn't take the advanced because there's also an honors. Mm. So there's um, the regular English math yeah. class, then there's the honors, which I wasn't in. So I was like, I don't know why I skipped that and went straight into AP. <laughs> um, yeah, so that I, I that you know that challenge and you know the mono minority myth and and all that fun stuff and. Mm yeah actually yeah can we
1: talk a little bit about that
0: yeah because
1: I I feel like the model minority myth really takes hold uh for students like this is the pinnacle of the model minority myth in student dumb right
0: yeah I mean maybe they chose me because of my looks and they're being racist I mean I don't know this was (laughs) at least 10 years ago I, I don't know
1: I, I like that explanation. They chose you based on your looks and they were being racist. Yes, I like, think that's
0: why. You're doing great in your regular classes. Let's just skip honors and go straight to AP because you're Asian. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I took AP English, biology and psychology. Oh, yeah. And actually, I really liked psychology. And I, um, I got an A in I think all three classes, like in the class part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not on the test, <laughs> so you see how that so prepared that's, me
1: exactly. So, so again, like these standardized tests are not preparing us, uh, that they're not a good marker of like students' intelligence because clearly you aced the classes. So, one would think if you ace the classes, you ace the test,
0: yeah. And I think it was just also like I didn't study all the time, all year for this exam, like they tell you to. It's like, that seems really like, how am I supposed to remember an entire year's worth of content for one test where it may or may not show up on it?
1: Yeah, I think also being out of it as an adult, you're like, wait, why am I going to spend an entire year of my life?
0: Yeah, when have I ever used that skill any other time in my life? Never. Yeah,
1: it's a very valid question.
0: In my job, my job tells me to count up to 90. And that's the only math I ever use ever. (laughs) (laughs) or subtract like subtract 30 or 40 from 90 credits that's like the most math I do
1: here's the like the the funny part of all of this is I think that like research and research skills and communication skills and being able to uh formulate thoughts ideas put them into a document and make oh I don't know a podcast Mm -hmm. this is when I feel like those skills are coming into use oh yeah for sure but the joke is like, we're doing this because we love it. Like, we're not being paid to. And in school, they're like, you better study hard. You'll get paid a lot of money. And it's like, well, or you'll yeah. just like have a passion project that you love. And it, which is still just That's as true. valid.
0: You know, yeah. I did. I did not take all of those rainbow Cornell notes for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> My AP biology class would grade us on if we did rainbow colored Cornell notes or not. So it was like the title had to be in the color red and then the the subheading had to be in green or something and then the body or the note or like the definition of of a vocabulary term had to be in like orange or blue or other and it was like if you didn't follow the rules exactly mm-hmm. you did not pass this assignment it has nothing to do with I the AP test those,
1: I remember those parameters for note taking and mm-hmm. and thinking like this this Feels like a waste like all of the brain space that i'm committing to what the title color should be versus what the definition color should be i could be thinking about bigger more interesting deeper shit
0: right and it works for some but it works if you're into you know note taking and in which i was at the time um or if you like look at any instagram account where their entire instagram account is about note taking and how pretty their notes look then yeah you know, it works great and you have very beautiful notes to look at where you don't want to, where you want to look at them and you don't want to look at something else. Sure. Maybe it's a motivator. I don't know. But for me now, it's not really beneficial or
1: useful. Yeah. I also was not one of those. I was one of those uh, students who took notes and I never wanted anyone to look at them. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was never actually taking notes on what was happening in class. I was taking notes on like what was happening in my head mm. and and I never wanted anyone to see them. But I do remember having friends who took really gorgeous notes. Yes. And being very envious of those people mm-hmm. like, oh, look at their notes. And they're just so happy to display them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hide away the crazy ramblings of my mind in the chicken <laughs> scratch that I have like put it in because compared to those pretty notes, I feel inferior.
0: Yeah, which was such a weird... I guess, like trope in school, because like nobody ever told you that you would, you know, be well liked for having beautiful notes.
1: Yes. It's also interesting that you called it a trope because I see what you mean by that word choice. Yes, because the kids the that only took one I could good... think of. <laughs> well, yeah, because the kids that took good notes, male, female or non-binary, definitely had uh, similar personality quirks. Yeah they were also the people with the pristine lockers they had their lockers decorated they had cool backpacks oh, yes. like everything in their life was very all organized the all of it to a mm-hmm. t mm-hmm. and if you are one of those students or you were one of those students uh, i'm we sure you are still cre- I, I was literally <laughs> say, I'm just i'm sure you're still creating envy wherever you go so go on with
0: your bad self we ain't mad mm-hmm. at you make an instagram account so we can follow yeah and be inspired because that's how I find inspiration (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's like look at her great notes about the urinary tract system I'm not reading it but they look beautiful (laughs) fair enough fair enough
1: um I feel like your intelligence was super validated through your standardized testing experience because mine was definitely not I think I'm shared. yeah nope uh i think i've shared this on the show before but i will say it again uh i have test anxiety i have had it my entire life it has gotten progressively worse the older that i have gotten Mm. so the sat was not a good time for me sat was not my favorite uh time to be a student i think i've also shared this on the air but i will share it again if there is one thing that me and Kobe Bryant may he rest in peace share or have in common it is our SAT score we both got a 990 that's right Kobe nor I cracked a thousand for our SATs and you're both so successful right like he went on to be fucking Kobe Bryant so I have issues with the SAT standardized testing system because again like I don't think Kobe was stupid. I know I'm not stupid. I just don't think that these sorts of tests are made for everyone. And the problem with that is that because we we being society don't necessarily question the riggedness Mm -hmm. of the standardized testing world, whether we've come through it and we're like, oh God, I never want to relive that again. Or we have students or or we have, sorry, uh, kids who are going through it. And mm-hmm. so it's almost inconvenient to yes. question, you know, it's, it's inconvenient to question if they're rigged or not, because whether we think about it, yeah, whether it's rigged or not, we still are forcing our kids to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom worked in education. My mom was an assistant superintendent. Oh, Me, wow. Yeah. Me being a bad test taker and having test anxiety was not necessarily something that we dealt with
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the house because it there was no vocabulary around test anxiety when I was mm-hmm. in school. I think the vocabulary came about later on in my high school years. I'm 33 for reference. Uh, okay. And I think that test anxiety studies and vernacular and vocabulary all of this is very new but at the time yes. it, it was generally treated as like oh just get over it like you'll be fine just get over it take a couple of deep breaths don't be worried yeah yeah but to someone yeah and to someone that's really affected by it those really flippant uh suggestions on how Ignorant. to deal with it don't help and they make Mm-mm. people feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Um. And in terms of prep for the SATs, it was terrible. I hated it. It was, I was one of the kids that got tutors and had the big stacks of books and all of that. Yes.
0: Wow. Full
1: on. And I still didn't really do well on the SATs. And I took them twice. no. Like, I did poorly. And again, like, we hinge so much on these standardized tests without actually thinking like wait stop how is this affecting our students right the working professionals of tomorrow how is this affecting them
0: yeah because it's not like they're gonna have to study an entire year for a a job performance test right
1: right exactly i I mean at the the very essence of standardized testing is learn all of these facts and then Mm -hmm. be able to regurgitate them which again doesn't we talked about this in our episode with tiffany um But like, are are we really setting our kids up for life success when we tell them here, digest all these facts and be able to spit them out in an effective way? I don't necessarily think we are.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, you're not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think we should put our money where our mouth is, because clearly this is stirring some very strong feelings for Katie and I. And uh, (laughs) we've got a lot more where this episode came from. So before we get into today's uh, subject matter, we are going to put our money where our mouth is. So if you are a new listener to the podcast, this is our small business segment where we encourage you, dear listeners, to shop Asian and to shop Black and to shop women-owned. I realize that for a lot of you, you are politically active and you want to continue your political engagement every single day of your life. And to that, we salute you. and engaging in economic protest i.e voting with your dollars is a very important easy and accessible way for everyone to be engaged politically so in this episode we both spotlight uh, two different businesses Katie's will be Asian owned mine will be black owned that we want you to either consider for your shopping needs, or if you are in one of the two places where these businesses reside, go visit them. If you are looking to get out of the house and diversify your dollars. So Katie, what you got?
0: So I'm going to foreshadow a future episode. Uh, which I did <laughs> not, I did not come across this business until after we recorded. So, ah, um, okay. Yes. So Kiwi Co. Uh, Kiwi like the fruit and co like Hmm. company delivers science and art projects that teach kids about STEM Uh, crates are specifically tailored based on age and interest. And ages range from as young as zero months old, like born to over (laughs) 100 years old, fresh (laughs) to the world just took their first breath of life. Um, My husband and I have been discussing ways that we can introduce our baby to STEM, to the arts um, and more since um, he is a STEM person. I am an arts person. And we want to Mm. diversify what is available and what our baby has access to. And most of these companies that have these types of projects or other are for kids who are three years older, older, not babies. (laughs) Um, So it is Ah. a a wider age range to go off of. Um, So we have been researching different ways to keep our baby's eyes off of the tv off of the computer off of our phones and kiwi was one of the best and only options we found that tailored to someone younger than 18 months old and our baby is nine months old um kiwi is also an asian woman-owned <laughs> business like alana said so yay women of yeah, color yeah. in stem and is in partnership with seattle children's Woo. hospital which is my backyard um sandra who is the owner Love created kiwi because she found that it is hard to find the time as a mother of three kids to research, come up with project ideas based on age, and find all the materials to create these projects to encourage creativity and curiosity. I totally agree, and I only have one. And each project is designed by experts, <laughs> engineers, educators, makers, even rocket scientists, and tested for over 1,000 hours so you know that they are safe for your children. You can set up a one-time delivery to test out or continue subscription. You can even give it as a gift. So definitely check them out.
1: Yeah. Love that. And um, so just full disclosure, Katie and I have recorded our episodes a little bit out of order. So our STEM episode is coming up next week. If you are interested in STEM, we have a badass guest on. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss it. Um, okay. You talk STEM, I'm going to talk sipping on something. Mm. The business I chose is called Sip & Sonder. On Instagram, they are at sipandsonder. Sonder is S-O-N-D-E-R. Sip & Sonder is part coffee shop, part creative space, and always a good time. I Established hate. in 2017, Sip & Sonder's flagship location is the first specialty coffee house in Inglewood, California. With a coffee roaster, creative studio, and multi-purpose event space on site, Sip and Sonder is much more than your ordinary coffee shop. They are black woman owned, what's up, Uh, innovative entrepreneurial and creative hub where coffee, community, and culture all connect. Mm. I picked Sip and Sonder simply because I miss it. And it's one of those businesses that I want to see survive this god awful pandemic. Over the years, I've seen music, poetry, and visual arts events that I have been to in their space. They also, pre-pandemic, hosted great marketplaces with other African-American business owners, female-owned business owners. And those are really, really fun to attend. Uh, So this this choice was super self-serving because I love this business and I want to see it succeed And um, if you are in Los Angeles, maybe close to Inglewood, and you are not afraid to leave your house, I am still very afraid to leave my house. I am unvaccinated, so I'm not really going anywhere these days. Uh, If you are a brave soul and you want to get a a coffee fix and a little cafe atmosphere going, they Mm. are open. They're working truncated hours. I think it's 8 a.m. till 2 p.m. And they do have outdoor seating. So check them out. Yeah, it does. Like, I wish I could. F- I wish I had the courage to be like, oh, cool. Like, I'll just sit in this corner table away from everyone. But I'm scared. Like, I'm, I'm someone will end up sitting right
0: next to you without their uh, mask. It and, always and happens. Coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will drop links to both of these businesses in the show notes. But Katie, shall we get to it?
0: Yes. So I have a story to tell. Which Ooh. hopefully will not um, bore you to death. So do it. I have, and this is a true story. So, as a college advisor, I've witnessed—I want to say—every type of college student. Um, I've had high school students come in who have terrible grades, and I'm talking like maybe a 1.0 GPA, freshman oh. to senior oh. year, and or bad SAT ACT test scores, and they're worried about college cough cough uh for context mostly students tell me that the reason that they had bad grades not that you you know that there necessarily has to be an excuse or reason um but usually (laughs) it derives from school drama Mm. uh so people being bullies people creating you know rumors about them all these types of things. And so they just Mm. gave up. They just didn't want to go to school. They didn't want to learn. They just wanted to go straight to the workforce. And so that's what they did, which is great. Mm. Um, But they would come to me and be like, Hey, I have been in the workforce for anywhere from one to 20 years, did not get a college degree. I, but I did finish high school or I got my GED depending on how awful that college or that school environment was. And I'm wondering about the option of getting a bachelor degree. And for reference, community colleges typically only have associate degrees, which is half of a bachelor degree. A lot of community colleges are, are opting into mm. bachelor degrees now, so it's changing. But anyway, and so they're like, I know I can't get a bachelor degree at this community college that you work with. Is it still a possibility with my terrible grades and test scores? Well, tip, it is. And here's what happens. So you start at community, this is, you know, you finish high school, you start at community college, you take a few classes and mind you, these students who did take classes, got 4.0 grades in all of their classes. And they're like, wow, I didn't know school was so easy without all the drama biting me down and distracting me and taking my focus. And I was like, yeah, you're doing great. Keep going. And they gained so much confidence from this. They completed, you know, 30 plus Credits, which is like maybe six classes of college. And then they applied wow. to a university. And guess what? They got in. You know why? Because when you complete college credits after high school and you get a certain GPA, they don't look at your high school grades. They don't look at your high school standardized test right. scores. They only look at your college credits. Boom. You know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can see where my dream is going. <laughs> You can see where my viewpoint is on this topic. <laughs> and this has happened yeah. not just to one student. Mind you, I've been a college advisor for almost six years. And this has happened more times than you would think. This exact scenario with school drama. And so them. we all experience test taking in so many different forms school exams, auditions, interviews. You know, even showing proficiency in the workplace. And what I found as an advisor is the miscommunication regarding what standardized testing is. And like our previous episode mentioned, spoiler, it's not always needed depending on what you want to do after high school. Let's just sink Mm. in and simmer because I'm starting to get boiling.
1: (laughs) One so one moment of realization per episode, I love it. yes, I think um I think it's important to remember that we take tests our entire lives,
0: entire lives.
1: not just standardized tests, but all types of tests. It is virtually impossible to get away from being tested on some sort of aptitude, intelligence, physical ability, uh, whatever, what have you. And in the specific case of standardized tests, we want to talk about today, if these tests are rigged, perhaps are they racist? Uh, as said on top of episode, they weren't necessarily created for everyone to excel at. They were not created uh for everyone to have an equal shot at opportunity. They were very much created for white men to succeed and everyone else to do to insert fail. shrugging emoji here to do. I don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that over time we have taken standardized tests as the end all be all of deciding if students are able to go on to college or further higher education. Yes. And when we put so much weight and emphasis on a test or two tests, you have to re- think about who's able to take these and succeed and excel and who's not even given the opportunity at all. And everyone who falls in between there. Yes. um, You know, we talk about just simple, inte- we'll talk about intelligence, but we're also gonna talk about finance in this episode as well, because the two things in terms of succeeding in standardized tests are linked. It's great if you're smart and can take the test, but also can you afford to take the test? Because the SAT yeah. ain't free. The, AC- the ACT ain't free. Like these tests that we have been told our entire lives, we've got to take them. They will also cost us. Mm-hmm. You gotta take it. Uh, someone has to cover that cost who is that person going to be who knows because the assumption is that it's going to rest on your shoulders dear student. Um, yes call me crazy i think it's a scam but i'm just saying it is a scam Ex- exactly <laughs> so let's <laughs> talk a little bit about uh standardized testing in k through 12 schools because we start our kids Young. real early
0: mm-hmm and I'm not looking forward to that for Mike. Oh, I was going to so, say. <laughs> like Getting baby try, boy ready now. <laughs> yeah, we should try this. Um, My God. But yeah, I mean, as we talked about standardized tests like the SAT or ACT, I guess you could even say the PSAT, the prep SAT. The all, one that you took and didn't yeah, have to take the SAT. <laughs> yeah. It all show, supposedly show your readiness for college. I think it's ridiculous and rigged, as I'm sure you are getting the gist by now. Yep. Um, I've seen its flaws firsthand with my students, so I know it doesn't apply to everyone. Um, but also, I know that there are other things that we will talk about in a bit. I <laughs> saw something on Instagram that I found to be oh so accurate. Uh, if you follow Ooh. at Social Studies Four, which is the number four social justice. They post a lot about these different topics, and in one of their posts, they said standardized tests show students' ability to study, show how well students understand standard English, show how well students can play the game of school, and shows the students mm. have resources at their disposal. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. I will link to
1: that IG and show notes, by the way.
0: Yes, so definitely uh, I'm sorry, check them I out. You. Uh, no, 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 you're good. Yeah, definitely check them out because I, I follow them religiously, <laughs> and um, <laughs> some of the things also that people don't think about that Alana already mentioned is, you know, what about those students who had a bad night's sleep where their siblings were keeping them up all night so they didn't get breakfast the next morning they weren't able to hydrate that day because this is a a long all day commitment where you are mm-hmm. basically essentially locked in a room with these people. And you have to bring your own snacks, which is a whole nother thing. What about people on free, reduced lunch? You can't, you know, they don't have their own snacks. Um, You got to stay hydrated. You got to stay, you know, full. I don't know. Well. Uh, Yes. Well, thank you. You got to be mentally in the game. You got to be focused the entire day. You got to turn off your cell phones. If you have cell phones at this age, I don't know. So what about those students? And what about those students who are bullied, who are going through a breakup or, other where their mind is not in the game of studying and it affects them on the test. And I know Alana said that, you know, you can retake the test, but it's one day it could happen again. (laughs) Something like that could happen again or if you're in a school environment that is not safe or that has, you know, low resources or other, but what are the odds, you know, that something will happen or something that will impact you to the point that even if you are ready and you know all the answers, and you did all the studying and all the prep work there all there's so many factors outside of that that would impact you, and that could impact yeah. you, and it's just something to think about,
1: yeah, when we talk about yeah, when we talk about these standardized tests, I think it's important to uh remember what's not said about mm. the standardized test taking process. The standardized test taking process is not an equal or equitable process, yes any means. I think that's really important to point out based off of what Katie just said, not everyone is starting from the same standpoint. Not everyone has the mental ability, the physical capacities, the emotional capacities to sit and take a all-day long test. Mm-hmm. I know that for some people that's like what do you mean? A test is just a test, but for other people who have physical, mental, emotional ailments, disabilities. That makes taking this test really difficult. Yes. And we basically tell our kids, suck it up. This is just part of your student life. Just deal with it. Everyone else has to.
0: (laughs) You have to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes because you hydrated this morning. Too bad.
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs) I also think with standardized tests, it's uh, as someone who has test anxiety, I remember talking to friends and loved ones uh who have gone through the sat process and talking Mm. to them about my test anxiety and anxiety towards taking the big test on quote the big day we will get to that later uh and the feeling being very yeah i know it's really stressful but we all have to do it so just buck up buttercup and you'll get through it it's like which is not helpful no no
0: This is not the same thing as a pap smear test, okay?
1: (laughs) No, it's not the same thing (laughs) as an eye exam, which also makes my heart race and my palms go sweaty. Any Mm. kind of test, but but I see exactly what you're saying, and I also think the problem is that standardized tests aren't an accurate measure of the quality of a student's education or even a student's intellect. Mm -hmm. Uh, These studies often show, sorry, these tests often show inherent biases. In a 2013 report from the Annie E. Casey Foundation titled, quote, Early Warning Confirmed, end quote, describes how, quote, (laughs) researchers of the poverty slash achievement connection have quantified the gap between children from low income and wealthier families and tracked the gap's growth over time. Mm -hmm. This is important to mention because the standardized test business. Or the college prep business, that is big business. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of dollar-dollar bills, let's just take (laughs) a moment to realize exactly how much money this industry pulls in. So a March 2019 report from IBIS World valued the tutoring and test preparation industry as a $1.1 billion industry with that capital B uh, with exam prep services taking up 25 percent of the industry. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that that whole industry is a scam. And I think the the, the, the college admissions uh, process is also a scam. Scams on scams on scams. Mm -hmm. If I just I just have to be honest about that. Um, They also found that the relationship between a family's, quote, position in the economic distribution and their children's academic achievement has grown substantially stronger during the last half century. So the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poorer, and the poor Mm -hmm. keep getting penalized for not being able to perform the way that richer students are able to do. And so we call these poor students maybe not as qualified, not as ready for college, not as smart, mm-hmm. not as intellectually able. And that's not exactly true, but it is yet another thing that holds back poorer communities and continues to allow richer, wealthier communities to thrive. And I went to school with a bunch of rich kids, college I mean. Just because you're rich and have access to all kinds of college prep does not mean in any way, shape, or form that you are uh, intellectually better than someone mm. who isn't as rich as you. Yeah. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, these scores may not mean as much in a scholastic sense. Aspects of an application, such as a high GPA, as Katie was talking about, are the main uh, deterrent of how well, I'm sorry, are the main calibration of how well a student does at a university, not Mm -hmm. SAT scores. In fact, those scores don't say much at all with regards to how well a student will do in school. And that is according to a February 18th, 2014 PBS article called, quote, do ACT and SAT scores really matter? End quote. Uh, mm-hmm. New studies say they shouldn't. And that article was by Sarah Sheffer.
0: So they've known this for years. Of
1: course. But we are still <laughs> hoodw- Here's what I think it is. We know this, but also we're out of the scholastic. When I said we're out of the scholastic system, I mean, you and I are not students. Right. We it's easy to recognize when you're not in it and it doesn't affect your life. But when you have a student or when you have a child Mm -hmm. whose future you want to be as best as it possibly can be, I think it's human nature to kind of forget this information. And I I don't think that we're forgetting it in a flippant, um, oh, it just slipped my mind way. But I think we're forgetting it in a, I want my kid or my student to do the best that they possibly can. And so- These facts are just not convenient for me at the moment, because even if all of this is true, I still have a kid that I need to get into college. And this is still how the system this is still how the game is played, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that you have to have a good score to get into college. That's how we are sold on getting into college is if your test score yeah. is whack, you're not getting in.
0: Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Have you seen there was a video on YouTube a while back about a Yale student, um, a Yale student who majored in chemistry Mm -hmm. and he went back as an adult and took the SAT as like a dare. No, I have not. Oh, okay. So it's a white guy. So, you know, if you don't want to watch it, I totally understand. (laughs) um, (laughs) I still will. But I thought it was funny because they said you have to study the night before for this test and take it with a bunch of high school students and the the dare is that if you get an answer wrong while you're studying you have to take a shot of Pila, <sighs> vodka or other so oh. he went to the test hungover and oh, he God. took the test with all of his Yale memory you know and he I, I feel like he's actually relatively he retained most of it I feel like at least for me I did not retain a lot of what I've learned mm. but he seemed to have same and he was looking at these questions like I don't use this or what is the point of this? Or I remember this or, (laughs) you know, he was going through all of that on camera and then he came out at the end and they showed his test score and he got the same test score as his coworker did when they were in high school. um, And which was significantly or seemed to be a lot lower than his original score that got him to Yale. And so they were talking about Mm. that and saying, well, what did you end up doing? We both ended up working for Buzzfeed and yet our test scores were <laughs> so different and now they are, you know, uh-huh. so they were comparing those things and like, we make the same amount of money. Yeah. I went to Yale, you went to a local college and look where we ended up. Sure. You know? So I just thought that was interesting. But.
1: That is an interesting study. Cause again, it goes to show like these tests don't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. We, we being society put a lot of emphasis on it. A lot of pressure and on it. If you ask, yeah. And so quite frankly, I think we're brainwashing our kids. Unpopular word choice, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, we're brainwashing our kids into thinking that they have got to prepare hardcore for this standardized test or for these standardized tests. Whereas I think the better thing to tell our kids is what makes you happy? Figure mm-hmm. out what you want to do, what makes you happy and chase that. Because if you want to go to cosmetology school, who yes. gives a fuck about your SAT score? I'm an actor. My SAT score (laughs) didn't matter. I took I I auditioned to get into my college of choice. My SAT score was completely irrelevant, but it also makes me wonder, yeah, it also just makes me wonder, you know, how many kids are we leaving behind or are feeling like I can't hack it, I can't play this game, so I'm just going to exit the
0: game and we lose kids too early. Yeah, they probably fall through the gaps quite often and we just don't see them to pick them up and... Give them alternative options that are, you know, more to more to their liking, more to their skill set, more to their learning style and, you know, leads them on the exact same path as everybody else, but in a way that is beneficial for them.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm. I wish there was a happy segue from what (laughs) you just said to our next talking point. But uh, unfortunately, there's just there's just not because when you're talking about standardized tests, there's no happiness uh so we're going to talk about our next we're going to answer this next question which is are standardized tests racist and classist and ableist short answer yeah yeah uh and so if we want to take a little trip back into time it's going to hop in our time machine and we're going to give you the racist beginnings of standardized testing So we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Now we're going to go deeper into the whole enchilada. Unpack it
0: all.
1: Yeah. So um, when did they start and when did they start being racist? Here we go. (laughs) So this is from an article called The Racist Beginnings of Standardized Testing. And it says, quote, as the U.S. absorbed millions of immigrants from Europe beginning in the 19th century, the days... Leading social scientists were concerned by the infiltration of non-whites into the nation's public schools. During World War I, standardized tests helped place 1.5 million soldiers in units segregated by race and by test scores. Mm. The tests were scientific, yet they remained deeply biased, according to researchers and media reports. End quote. The first SAT was administered in 1926 to more than 8,000 students. Forty percent of them were female. Quote, unlike the college boards, the SAT is designed primarily to assess aptitude for learning rather than the mastery of subjects already learned. And that's according to Eric Jacobson, who is a New Jersey writer and math physics teacher based at Newark Academy in Livingston, New Jersey. He goes on to say, quote, for some college officials, an aptitude test, which is presumed to measure intelligence, is appealing since at this time, which is 1926, intelligence and ethnic origins are thought to be connected. And therefore, the results of such a test could be used to limit the admissions of particularly undesirable ethnicities, end quote. I know. Doesn't it make you want to vomit? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Uh, And then it goes on to say, quote, high-stakes testing also causes additional damage to some students who are categorized as English language learners, or um, if you want to shorten it to ELL. The tests are often inaccurate for English language learners, according to FAIR test, leading to misplacement or retention. ELLs are alongside students with disabilities, those least likely to pass graduation tests. And um, the quote goes on to say African Americans, especially males, are disproportionately placed or misplaced in special education, frequently based on test results. In effect, the use of high stakes testing perpetuates racial inequality through the emotional and psychological power of the test over the test taker, according to Fair Test. End quote.
1: So yeah, there's the answer. It's fully fucking racist. Mm-hmm. Uh and and quite uh sexist, might I add too, because oh, people yeah. of color were not expected to do well. Women were not expected to do well, and these tests were only meant to separate and p- keep people uh to separate and create a hierarchy, an intelligence hierarchy and of course no surprise black men were at the bottom of that rung
0: mm-hmm. as they
1: still tend to be at the bottom of a lot of social rungs in our society today um so yeah so so why we are still forcing standardized tests on our students just doesn't make any sense
0: yeah and it's still it's still happening <laughs> Fuck. Still happening. Okay, Katie, lay it it's on the girl. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> the bad news keeps getting worse. <laughs> What's the problem now? Recently, like, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but like in the past month, the Biden administration <laughs> made a statement requiring students to take standardized tests this year, even though we're in a pandemic. hmm. Fun, right? Uh, Representative Jamal Bowman said, quote, uh, over the past year, our students have faced unfathomable amounts of trauma and anxiety due to this pandemic. They've lost teachers, family members, and their entire way of life. The Biden administration's refusal to grant waivers for standardized testing is wrong. If you have never been an educator, you should not be leading on matters of education in our country all of the data that they claim they need standardized tests to analyze can be better understood by speaking with the educators in our classrooms, unquote, or end Mm. quote. But yeah, it's messed up.
1: I gotta, I have to ask you, because this is your area of expertise, not mine, but Mm. haven't we lived through, lived through being this past year, 2020, Haven't we lived through a a scholastic year that has proven that we don't, that kids don't need to take, excuse me, students do not need to take standardized tests to get into college because a lot of our current freshmen in college did not take the SAT or ACT to get into the schools they are in now.
0: Correct. And universities took down that admission requirement for that reason. So
1: it doesn't make sense. (sighs) So we're regressing. Yeah. We're Basically. just coming back. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, let, let's talk about this, because I do think it's like it's it's a fascinating question to ask that question mm. of are standardized tests even valid anymore?
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. Like because of covid, it, it put a a pause on those. And we have right. seen that students are able to get into college and I would imagine thrive to some degree uh, without the standardized testing, I envy right. this freshman class of 2020. Um, do you think in your professional opinion, do you think they're still valid?
0: Oh no. I thought that was clear at the beginning. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> it I was, do not it was. think they're Sorry. valid. Okay. <laughs> I we was like, this point was very... the conversation. <laughs> okay. I was not trying to uh, sugarcoat things like I, like I usually do. Um, no, definitely <laughs> not. Um, I have experienced it firsthand with so many of my students where those scores don't matter. I have, I would say um, a good, like 70% of my student caseload are students who are in high school and college at the same time. And they're juniors or seniors. They're technically not even supposed to be in college for another year or two. And Mm. they are receiving, you know, dual credits where they're completing high school requirements through our college. uh, For those of you Mm. who are not familiar and they're for the most part, doing really well and have always done really well. The pandemic is, you know, creating, you know, a bit of barrier and other, but before the pandemic, they were doing great. And that was not based on, that was before they even took the standardized test of ACT or, or SAT. So, you sure. know, that students can do it. They can even do it, you know, years before they're sure. presumably ready for it. Um, and, and I, and mind you, I see, hundreds upon hundreds of high school dual credit students at at any any given time. So it's not just like a few students who are, you know, exceeding and, and wanting the challenge of education and are, you know, going beyond the AP classes, beyond the honors classes. No, this is, I have like 200 plus students each quarter. Sometimes they're different students each quarter in this exact situation. And they're doing relatively great, you know, more great before the pandemic, sure. but but still relatively great.
1: <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up question to yeah. that? In terms of, of, I think we agree, standardized tests, not valid, but what will it take for standardized testing to stop? Does it mean that, that oh. colleges and universities need to stop requiring standardized test scores in order for them to just be uh tests that are not necessarily mandatory but more voluntary like where does the change have to come from in order for standardized tests to not be valid
0: i think that's a good starting point i know there was a um before the pandemic there was a college in california who had done this and had talked Hmm. about this i i can't remember which one off the top of my head but they were going towards that and it created this giant debate among mostly mothers Um, talking about it from a non-educator standpoint. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I gave the exact same story of these are all my students who do really well without this test and here's why. And, and, you know, Um, but I know it's, it's been happening slowly, but I, that's the only college I know that has done it. I know Washington state um, didn't have that requirement last year. And I'm assuming that if they see, you know, relatively good academic grades, and retention Mm -hmm. for the year maybe it would change but they might also just blame it on the pandemic I don't know you know I think that it would be Uh, something that schools would have to test outside of a pandemic where there's already low um enrollment rates and Mm. other um so I think it depends but it's going to be a really long change higher education takes forever to do anything in my opinion. If you apply for a job in higher education, you will not hear back for, I would say, a good, like, three months at least. It is a long process. Damn. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, so many don't apply for higher factors. education
1: if you, like, need a job fast.
0: Yeah, but definitely apply for higher education if you need a job in a pandemic, because they are always hiring. <laughs> so, back and forth. Fair enough. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I agree with you. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. <Pros and laughs> cons. That tickled me, Katie. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I don't think that standardized testing, uh, ACT or SAT are valid. The one thing, though, that I think we should consider when okay. it comes to standardized testing is is the filling out of the Scantron mm. and how Scantron sheets affect our lives Beyond the schooling system, because outside of standardized tests or school altogether, um, you have to be able to fill out a scantron sheet. At least you do in the United States, because using a scantron sheet and and knowing how to fill one out properly—that's how we vote in the mm-hmm. United States. I think that if you are a kid of the U.S. schooling system, we really take for granted our ability to fill out a scantron system a scantron sheet properly quite mm-hmm. frankly i remember being that kid that was like "Ugh, i have to fill in the entire bubble god damn it this sucks oh my god <laughs> can't
0: go outside the lines
1: <laughs> you can't go outside the lines and if you erase like kind of around the line that you went out of it's still a mess it's never prop it's never good you gotta refill it in <laughs> exactly but knowing how to fill out a scantron is necessary if you want to if you want to, pro, if you want to uh, participate in democracy, right. I had quite a few friends this year who helped work the polls, and mm. they worked polls in high immigrant areas, and oh. a, a lot of them remarked that yeah, they had they never expected to have to teach sixty and seventy five year old people how to fill out a scantron. It just it comes so natural and normal if you. Yeah went through the standardized testing process, you don't even really question it. But if you're not used to filling out a Scantron sheet, it is a skill that you have to learn. And if you didn't learn it in school and you're using it to participate in democracy, you have to learn very quickly. Mm, And filling out a Scantron is not necessarily something that is second nature. Mm -hmm. Like it is if you're used to doing it. It's not if you are not used to doing it. So that is one byproduct of the standardized testing system that has seeped into our adult life.
0: Oh, just a yeah. Thing
1: I, right. Like, just, no, just imagine consider.
0: like oh, I'm trying to vote for Obama and I accidentally filled in the wrong bubble. Oh, right. Or I put a check mark or I like did a light fill in, but I didn't fill in the whole damn
1: thing, which mm-hmm. as a side note, I always started at the middle of the bubble and worked my way out. Oh, there That's you how go. I was taught to fill out a Scantron sheet that is, it seems like something so stupid to talk about on air. But for anyone mm-hmm. who's listening who has never filled out a Scantron sheet, hot tip for you.
0: Yeah, I did it the opposite. I would fill I would um, fill in the inner line of the bubble. So I wouldn't accidentally go outside it and then just fill in the middle. Oh, yeah. I
1: wonder if that's like a that's a personality thing. Like if we could, there's a heady psychological reason for that.
0: Because I would always go outside the lines because I get too into it Mm. with the with the coloring in really fast. And then I would be like, oops, one line went out.
1: (laughs) Got it. Oh, got it. I liked to have I like the feeling of like starting in the middle and going outwards, sort of like uh, dropping a pebble in a a stream and like Mm,
0: seeing the ripples.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Well, uh, while we're on the subject of questioning validity, Mm -hmm. we've questioned the validity of the SATs. Are the ACTs valid? Or I'm sorry, we've questioned the validity of the SATs and the ACTs. Are AP classes valid? Because we've both
0: taken those. Yeah. And I don't know, like they get a lot of hype, but do we really need them? Probably not, depending on what you're doing. And let me, Say yeah, more. so, yeah, so one, there's, there's a few questions that I always have to consider. Do high schools, do all high schools even have AP tests and classes for you to take is one thing. And uh, the answer is probably no. Do all colleges even accept the AP test that you're taking? which also could be no I'll tell you from experience we have specific AP tests that we do not accept no matter what your score is and then colleges moving forward or well I should say they probably are already there colleges only accept certain scores so what happens to you when you don't get that desired score some colleges Mm. will say three four or five is acceptable some colleges will say only four and five is acceptable I think there's even select colleges that only accept a five. It's very selective (laughs) depending on where you're going. And so you got to think about all of those questions for one. um, I will say looking at the college board website, which is where our AP tests and scores come from, your uh, quote, your AP scores could earn you college credit or advanced placement, which is the meaning of AP, uh, meaning you could skip certain courses in college, use different tools that you I mean you can use different tools to find out Um, but also nearly all college and universities and many international institutions honor the AP scores unquote or end quote but oh again that depends right on do they accept whatever your score is do they accept whatever test you're taking like for us we do not accept AP research and AP seminar and AP capstone i don't even know why those are (laughs) those
1: because those sound like again scamming that sounds like a scam
0: yeah i gotta look it up because i remember looking into this and this definition and i think it is acceptable at like universities but at least for where i am it's it's like why are you taking this this doesn't no don't well yeah
1: because ap research to me just feels like that's what you do as a student oh like all years of school or at least high school and college, like you learn to research in your classes. I'm not sure what seminar even means, but AP research sounds like you're preparing kids to do what they've already been doing the past four years of college and will continue to go on and do into college.
0: Yeah. I mean, I took a a capstone class in college that was part of my like, final performance to get my bachelor's degree if that's mm-hmm. what you would call that mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean looking at this ap research oh no wait i gotta go in in order so you, you gotta take these classes in order ap <laughs> seminar is the first class so ap seminar you will develop and practice the skills in research collaboration and communication that you'll need in any academic discipline and Scam. you'll write research papers you'll design and give presentations as a team as an individual and you'll investigate topics um, and then from that class you go into AP research which that kind of sounds like AP research to me but <laughs> then you went right. to AP research mm-hmm. which is building off of what you learned in AP seminar to deeply explore an academic topic problem or issue of individual interest you will design plan and conduct a year-long research-based investigation to address a research question another scam I don't know how you could research one topic for an entire year, but um, I'm sure there are very big topics that could go in depth. And then AP Capstone Diploma is a two-year program based on AP seminar and AP research together. Students who fulfill can earn (laughs) academic awards recognized by colleges around the world. So I'm guessing that if you do both of those classes, you're automatically in the Capstone Diploma program or something.
1: I think the AP test people are trying to get as much money out of students as possible.
0: That was not those classes were not an option when I was there.
1: Right. I took AP English, but that was pretty much it. But like AP research and seminar, that sounds like a scam.
0: Yeah, you're already going to do that. You're going to do that in um, your second English composition class in college. For those of you who are not in college yet, um, you have to take English 101 or some intro to composition class. A lot of uh, degrees, I would say most, also require a second English composition class. For a lot of people, that could be a literature class. It could also be a research and argumentative composition class where you write research papers, which is what this class sounds like.
1: (laughs) Don't we want our our students, our young people with fantastic minds who are going to change our worlds when they get a little bit older, don't we want them in high school to focus on the direction that they want their life to go in and making small steps towards that, not picking some sort of innocuous subject that might not mean very much to them? And studying it for the entire year. I mean, it just seems like the high school years are really valuable years that we shouldn't tell our kids here, research something all year long. Extracurriculars, forget about it. Having fun, fuck that. (laughs) Research this for an entire year and start doing the college thing as a sophomore. Yeah. That makes me irate for any high school student that feels like they have to do that to succeed which by the way you super don't need to do that to succeed you can still have a podcast
0: have you yeah i see i was friends with um a senior who was taking five ap classes and was in three sports and was the anchor woman for our um i guess we had like a morning news and announcements type of show that sounds Um, bomb i
1: would have been all over that
0: yeah and she was like the peppiest person i've ever met she was homecoming queen all of and i was like when do you have time for literally any when do you have time to breathe please Mm -hmm. tell me Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah enjoy life
1: i mean i mean I guess it's a different story for different folks. I went to an arts high school. I always knew that I was going to be in the arts. So taking that many AP classes for me just never made sense. Yeah. Because no matter how many AP classes I took, none of that was going to have an an effect on how I created and lived the life of a character.
0: Yeah. And I would say if you already know what you want to do, then, yeah, I mean, if you are going into if you know you want to do med school, AP tests can totally be helpful because you're going to take those hard tests and it will help you prepare for that and also give you college credit. But if you're, um, you know, taking AP history for med school, that just seems kind of silly to me, unless, you know, the university you want to go to requires a history credit. Um, well, like also, things like that. It's
1: just, it just me or did it feel like for you, AP classes in high school were a lot more rigorous and unnecessarily difficult oh, yeah. in high
0: school than they actually were in college? Oh yeah. I remember taking <laughs> AP English being like, "Man, this is so hard and I'm doing so awful and Yeah. um I'm I'm not getting I'm I'm taking such a harder time to learn about like rhetoric and and other jargon and whatever those words were. <laughs> and then I went to english 101 at college and i was like man this class is so easy like what? i had it so hard in ap you know english but this class is such a breeze i feel like i'm in like ninth grade english or something <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. it just makes you wonder why we stress
1: out our students unnecessarily in high school when like yo full disclosure if you listen to last week's episode and you're like cool yeah i think college is for me for whatever reason whether it's right. for whether it's because you want, you know, you're pursuing a, an academic pursuit or you want to go to college because you want the college experience complete with like partying and whatnot, like no shade. I feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, but why are we impressing upon our kids when they're so young? Yeah. that College is so difficult and it's so rigorous and you have to be prepared no matter what, when you get into college, it's going to be the hardest thing ever. It's not. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, college was not super difficult for me. Like, college is a really mm-hmm. fun four years, you will learn a lot, college is what you make of it, but I don't think we should be scaring our kids with all these incredibly rigorous classes that just feel so unnecessarily difficult and unnecessarily rigorous.
0: Yeah, unless you're someone who likes to be overly prepared to create less anxiety for yourself, then maybe, but yeah. I
1: mean but does 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 having more preparedness equal less anxiety i mean we'll get to that in our test anxiety yeah. portion <laughs> but just, 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 just food for thought just food yeah, for thought
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean in the notes i just wrote you know at least with my story I did both options. I did AP, AP, AP tests, and then my senior year, I did the high school dual credit option where I was in the college and the high school at the same time. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, it was so different, and I breezed through all of it. I feel like I actually ended up being somewhat of a slacker because of it, because I was used to so much rigor, and then college was such a breeze that I started to like procrastinate for the first oh, time in my life. And not that everybody's oh. going to do that, but yeah, at least for me specifically, that is kind of where i started to internalize that model minority myth and i started to you know i guess Mm. slightly rebel but not really rebel because i was still an ab student Mm -hmm. um and yeah and i would say there's also uh for those of you who are not in the education field there is a lot of hate um between ap classes and high school dual credit or um like tech prep Mm. credits, which is another form of high school dual credit uh where ap classes are kind of I would say like shoved down your throat a lot more than the option to receive dual credits. Um, and there's, there's a lot of reasons behind that, um, which we are not going to go into. Um, but I remember that. And as an educator, I have, (laughs) I have experienced that at me as someone who's not a student going to these events to promote high school dual credits and all of the, high school teachers, the principal, the high school counselors, all standing in front of me saying how to all of the parents and all of the students, how AP classes are so much better than what I am offering them. But the, yet they invited me to be there and talk about it. And they're, <laughs> it's just such a messed mm. up. Um, but I, I get why. Um, but the, the addressing of let me shove this down your throats and let me basically silence the college person talking about this other option that we do not mm. promote, but we have to bring to the table so you can visibly see that they're there as a side option that we don't want to talk Perfect. about and we are going to ignore is, <laughs> is, a, is a whole other thing. <laughs> and I mean, if you want, we can say that they're being racist because I think they were all white, but that would be. Yeah,
1: of course. I mean, this is the Black and Yellow Podcast. We can absolutely say that racism was involved.
0: <laughs> this was like well, two I years ago. Ask-
1: Who do AP classes work for or what do AP classes work
0: for? Yeah. So this this is um, quoting a student at that event who I I love dearly, um, but they are a white male. Um, But they were told to share their experience with either option and why they chose it. And so I always quote them because I they were very neutral and I loved that. So AP classes work for. Students who may not like submitting assignments all year, which is what they said, not me. They said this valid. That's valid. Yes, and students who would rather take a test to show proficiency in learning than to show it through a bunch of you know smaller assignments that they have turned in on a daily or, or whatever. Also, students who are not okay um, ready for the maturity and the independence that college may bring of having to do everything. Yourself, um, who are not yet ready for the accountability, and maybe want someone to, you know, nudge them and and remind them every now and then. And again, this is all quoting that student. I am I am not saying that this is that student. So if you want to blame anyone, blame that white male right, student. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then AP classes well, it's, don't. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. No, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. No, go for it. Okay. Okay. Um, AP classes do not work for students who hate test taking and studying. Students who would rather do the assignments, students who can, you know, be independent and have that maturity to do things on their own, to initiate mm-hmm. those things, who have their own accountability. Um, again, quoting the student, not me. So there, there are different factors that can kind of lead you in one way or the other based on sure. your learning style, how, you know, your school is, what the school teaches, where your local college is I could give you these opportunities and other. Well,
1: it's interesting when you were talking about uh, who, what A, who AP classes work for. I think it, this is my my the gender, the gender yeah. part of me coming in. But um, it's interesting that your white male student uh, alluded to not being ready for the independence of college and for oh. having college on their own. And I'm only saying that because I think that for a lot of women who are bought and sold on the idea of college, I think our society tells women from a very young age, you have to be ready for independence. You have to be ready to do things on your own. Mm. And so it's funny to me that a a white male student is like, I'm just not ready for the independence. I like mommy and daddy taking care of me Uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't feel like female college students are even allowed to have that fear
0: oh yeah i mean that could be because in in these situations where we are promoting or where they are coming to us the the idea that they have to be independent that they are considered an adult in this Mm. setting because a college student is considered an adult even if they are underage, true and that they cannot have their parents do anything for them because we will just um, not ignore them but we will not tell them anything because of confidentiality laws mm,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: I think because we push that so much that could have been the reason why he said independence spe- Got it. specifically um, because sure. it is something that we emphasize and and that the high schools emphasize saying like you have to do everything yourself you have to initiate everything yourself you have to be held accountable mm. you have to be the one to reach out to your professor your professor will not come up to you et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and i think they do that to scare people yeah i mean i'm not i'm not bashing (laughs) on high schools or anything but in some instances (laughs) it seems that way and i and again i understand like the history and the backstory of of why but it is Mm -hmm. sometimes with some individuals at some high schools a little harsh
1: got it yeah i mean all of those points are really valid in terms of who AP classes work for and don't. Let's not forget that the AP class system is a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. They make money from you taking the AP tests. They make money from you purchasing all kind of AP prep books, classes, courses, tutors, all of and you that have to stuff. Buy
0: your scores too. What? Yeah, students were telling me that they had to pay to get a copy of their scores to transfer the credits to college.
1: If you are listening to this show and you are on the fence about taking AP classes, they're a scam. I don't think you should take them. That's just me, though.
0: Unless you love test taking. Sure. And and unless you have
1: some disposable income to throw behind it. But like my AP English test score, I can't tell you what it is. And I know it never came in handy once I got into college. And if it even helped me get into college, because, again, like I went to school for acting. I had to do two monologues like that's what got me into college, not AP classes and certainly not my SAT score.
0: Mm. I went to community college, so they only looked at that transcript. They didn't care about scores.
1: There you go. So there you go. Well, let's talk about something that I think will affect the way that we take tests, Mm. uh, which is test anxiety or performance anxiety, as it has also been known. Do you have any experience with it?
0: Oh yeah. I got the sweaty palms. I would stutter. (laughs) I did all the stuff. And I, um, I remember unless I was purposely volunteering myself to go first, I would just Mm. get like so worked up that I would not be able to do presentations. Um, I took ASL American sign language and we had to do, um, sign songs, which is where you play a song and you sign to it and it's on recording. And that is like Ah. your project for the, um, semester in the class which was actually really fun um but also really daunting because everyone's staring at you (laughs) and you have to pretend that there is nobody there yeah um Mm -hmm. and so and so things like that which is more performance anxiety but unless I went first I would just be so out of it my hands would be shaking and sweaty and cold and I would stutter Uh, and I had a hard time getting words out and I get choked up and oh yeah it was a whole thing
1: got it so that's interesting. Performance anxiety for me, not so much. Hi, I'm an actor. Um, <laughs> but Tess, I'm just saying, but I hear what you're saying about wanting to go first in performance in like presentation situations. Mm-hmm. I was also the the kid who liked to go first or second, third at the very latest. Yes, I agree. But I was only that person because I was like, OK. I'm trying to get X, Y, and Z thought out of my head and onto paper. I want to write Mm. this little mini play or I have to get a to-do list out of my mind. So let me go first. It's Mm -hmm. presentation day, which means the teacher is not going to be looking at me, asking me why I am writing all the time and not giving a shit about what the person up there is talking about. So if you and Mm -hmm. I were in class together, you might have liked having me in class because I would have just not have been paying attention. Not out of disrespect to you, but like. I would just stare at you the whole time because you wouldn't be looking back. (laughs) You would get my greasy ass forehead. And Katie, I would be happy to give it to you. Um. I wanted to talk about test anxiety very, very much in this episode, because it's something that I've dealt with my entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I said earlier in the episode, I feel like vocabulary around it didn't really become a thing until I was exiting the scholastic uh, system. And I wanted to talk about it because if you are a listener and you are dealing with test anxiety, you are not alone. I wish someone were able to talk to me about test anxiety when I was going through the SAT slash just general schooling process mm-hmm. um and so if you have wanted someone who is not in your inner circle completely unbiased to talk to you about it here i am Woo-hoo. um full disclosure test anxiety and and how it manifests is different for everyone but it is totally normal before a test or an exam of any kind to be a little bit nervous you want to ace it you want to prove that you did all the hard work you absorbed all the facts you learned the subject matter and you don't want your parents to be angry with you if you fail so you know Mm -hmm. test taking can be an anxious and anxiety ridden process
0: so much pressure Uh,
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, If you've never heard of what test anxiety is, here's the official definition. So test anxiety is a psychological condition in which people experience extreme distress and anxiety in testing situations. While many people experience some degree of stress and anxiety before and during exams, test anxiety can actually impair learning and hurt test performances, hi that's mm-hmm. how you don't crack a thousand on your SATs and you feel like an idiot for years and years uh, yeah. after that you I'm look just at saying. it and
0: everything just like goes away you're like where did all my studying go i learned all this how come i can't remember a single damn thing girl were you in the room when i was
1: taking my <laughs> chemistry final was that you because no, that's exactly because how i felt
0: i got out of chemistry by taking ap biology fuck You and your AP (laughs) biology. Some of us were
1: taking college chemistry to like not have to do that in high school. And that test was one of my, I think that that test and the SAT were probably the two most anxiety-ridden tests I've ever taken in my entire Mm -hmm. life. I Uh, believe it. When I got the chemistry final, mind you, my desk was already test anxiety out. Like I had my big bottle of water. I had a fresh bottle of Pepto-Bismol ready to drink and at during these years I was sw- swilling it straight from the bottle oh geez uh exactly I had a stress ball I want to say I had some like candy or maybe chewing gum like I had a lot of shit wow. happening I had like a, you were a forced... prepared well I'd been living it with it with it for so long that I had all of the necessary accoutrement to try and like calm myself down mm But that didn't work because my professor dropped the test in front of me. I looked at the first page, knew nothing, had studied for months, knew nothing, flipped the page, didn't know anything on that page, flipped the page, didn't know anything. And I proceeded to cry. Uh, A Kim Kardashian ugly cry of the highest (laughs) order. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. And and just like you you shouldn't have to experience that, you know. don't think anyone should have to experience that and it's just that feeling that you just described which was like studying so hard and then here comes the test and you know nothing and it makes you feel less than and it makes you feel inferior and and sometimes it's not your fault sometimes the professor just
0: didn't give you any of the actual things to study that were going to be on the test
1: exactly i and i think when he was going through the answers afterwards i remember at one point standing up And I just remember screaming, why are there so many steps? And I just left. (laughs) (laughs) I was so sad and so frustrated.
0: Was Uh, it on the curve? Sorry.
1: No, no. Which was also why I I stood up and cried because I got a terrible, terrible score for the class. And I think the only reason that my professor passed me was because he was sick of my ass. He was so (laughs) tired of me. And I he gave me a C minus. And I remember him like talking to me about my grade and being like, you know, you're a nice girl and you have great energy. All of those are like buildups to tell you like, but girl, (laughs) you are nobody's chemist. And he was right. And he gave me that C minus. I needed, I think I needed a C minus to pass. And I remember like Mm. skipping out to my mom's car who had just picked me up. And I was like, mom, I got a C minus. And she was like, that's good enough. At least you pass. Like, let's never <laughs> look, think about this again. <laughs> that was nice of him though. Yeah. I mean, also like, do you want a loud mouth crying black girl in your class again? Cause <laughs> I, I, I would not, I understand what my teacher was like, go ahead, girl and good riddance. Mm. Um, uh, test anxiety is common. So figures do vary, but mm-hmm. it's estimated that about 16% of college and high school students have had have high test anxiety, and 18% have moderately high test anxiety. And that's oh. according to psychologist and author Richard Driscoll of the American Test Anxieties Association, oh. who knew there was an American Test anxiety Association. Know. Right? Right? A lot has changed since we've been students. Um wow. And while I don't think this is a surprise to uh, anyone, test anxiety absolutely affects test performance. Mm -hmm. Studies have shown that students with low levels of test anxiety achieve higher scores on multiple choice questions, on multiple choice question examinations than those with high anxiety levels. And Mm -hmm. fun fact, female students have been shown to have higher test anxiety levels than male students. Thanks, patriarchy. You suck. (laughs) Uh, a couple causes of test anxiety fear of failure. I don't think I need to go into that. That's nope. pretty obvious. Lack of preparation. Sometimes you're not prepared because you yourself didn't prepare, but there's other reasons why you might not be prepared that are outside of your control. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor test taking history. This is an interesting one. So, not succeeding on a previous exam can make you anxious for the next exam. Mm, and that's yeah. a cycle that can keep going. That is a snowball that can keep growing. It doesn't yeah. just stop once you've aced a test. If you have a backlog of failed tests or poor, I don't want to say failed tests, that, that sounds judgmental. If you have a backlog of poor test performance history, even if you ace a test one time, that doesn't necessarily negate all of the the prior Right. Events that have affected your test anxiety, and more often than not, it becomes a behavioral and cognitive sort of pattern that students fall into. If they didn't do well on one test, maybe their parents screamed at them, yelled at them, grounded them, whatever, what have you. That affects the next way that you go into taking a test, that affects the next way that you prepare for the test, that affects the next way. Uh, your confidence the next time that you go into taking a test it's all a cycle and it doesn't
0: just yeah. end
1: with an aced test which um, is often
0: reflected in teen dramas with white boys and their fathers yes
1: yes it is we can't get away from the white men when we talk about standardized tests we just cannot get away from them mm Um, perfectionism is another reason that test anxiety can be a thing. If you, if perfectionism is an ailment for you, then having extremely high performance expectations for yourself, you're very used to it. And that also extends to your test taking. Research studies show that students who have high perfectionism and high self-criticism tend to have high test anxiety and do worse on exams. Another Mm. common reason would be just high pressure in general. Mm -hmm. If you need a certain grade to pass the class, it could increase your test anxiety with every test that you take. Yeah. There are a couple other reasons I think that are a little bit more specific to uh, uh, the kind of student that you are, but these are the most general reasons. Let's talk about the symptoms, because the Mm. symptoms of test anxiety uh, absolutely show themselves. There's physical symptoms, there's emotional symptoms, and then there's behavioral cognitive symptoms. So the physical symptoms, headache, nausea, excessive sweating, shortness Mm. of breath, rapid heartbeat, lightheadedness, feeling faint, Test anxiety can also cause panic attacks, which are abrupt onset of intense fear or discomfort in which you may feel like you are unable to breathe or you feel like you're having a heart attack. Just a couple of the physical uh, uh, manifestations of test anxiety, emotional symptoms, feeling stress or stressed out, feeling fear, feeling helpless, feeling disappointed, Mm -hmm. negative thoughts or rumination about past poor performances, consequences of failure, feeling inadequate, helpless, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine going blank or the opposite of that racing thoughts. That one was those two Mm -hmm. uh, manifestations definitely made me stop. I was like, huh, I've definitely had both of those. I've definitely Mm -hmm. had no thoughts. And then I've definitely had a just an influx of exactly. (laughs) Yeah, for sure and then the behavioral cognitive symptoms difficulty concentrating thinking mm. negatively comparing yourself to others and procrastinating yes. among others those are the most common oh yes so how do we overcome this i hate to i don't necessarily want to give uh uh, an answer to the question of does test anxiety exist i know that that's a very commonly pontificated question is mm. it real is it all in the student's mind it's real it exists it affects us yes if you are someone who is overcome or if you are someone who needs to overcome test anxiety there's a lot of pretty generic ways to overcome it on the internet I'm going to tell you what I did and I'm going to tell you what I wish someone told me. So first things first, the internet's going to tell you get a good night of sleep. Well, if you have test anxiety, (laughs) it's really fucking hard to get a good night of sleep before the big test. Like you're not going
0: to sleep at all. Right?
1: So I say sleep as well as you can, whatever that may mean to you. If that is eight hours in your weighted blanket and you need a little bit of herb to get you to go to bed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: perfect. Whatever you need to get you to a good night's sleep, do what is right for you. Secondly, eat a good breakfast that makes you happy. Yeah, the internet's gonna tell you, oh my God, like a, in a balanced breakfast, all of those things. Mm-hmm. For me, eating a breakfast that makes me comfortable and happy, was the key. So for me it was pancakes all day. Mm. Some people might not support that and might say no, granola and yogurt and maybe Ugh. some fresh fruit. That is not filling. And also if you're ridden, if you are riddled with anxiety, you want things that make you feel good and comforted.
0: Like a cinnamon roll.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I'm already racked with nerves. Just give me the sugar and the caffeine and the icing and the syrup or get out of my face. Mm-hmm period there's nothing wrong with that and so if you have test anxiety and that cinnabon cinnamon roll is looking real gooey you get that cinnamon roll Mm -hmm. and fuck what anyone else has to say about it you get Mm -hmm. uh have a positive mental attitude i realize that 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 feels very sort of flipped just to say it but as positively as you can think try and think positively For me, in test-taking situations, the most positive thought I could muster is, in an hour, this will all be over.
0: Yes, I did the same thing. Done. Yeah. None of this, like, you know, like, think of your happiest memory.
1: And, like, Mm -hmm. who do you love? I'm not trying to
0: conjure a Patronus or something, you know. Yeah,
1: (laughs) all that's too woo-woo for me. For me, it's like, ooh, in an hour, this will be done. Next Mm -hmm. week, I won't even be thinking about this. Tomorrow woo, I'm going to have the best day ever. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean when I say positive mental attitude. Not the like woo-woo puppies, bunnies, rainbows, oh my. (laughs) Um, bring a picture, you know, if you're going to the SATs and you are feeling really racked with test anxiety, having a picture of a ha- a happy picture or something that reminds you of a happy place is also mm. really, really good. The internet will also tell you to think of a mantra, like I can do this, or I've worked hard and deserve this. If mm. you're a mantra person, go for it. I tend to be 50, 50. I found mantras, uh, way after my, my test taking days. So I can't attest to how they work. But if mantras work for you, go hard. Take calm, deep breaths. You're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. People will still love you. And you will still love yourself. Take a deep breath. Get centered. You'll make it through. Number five, this was really big for me in my household. Stop mm. referring to big test-taking days as the big day. Da da da. Yeah,
0: it, thinking about big test-taking
1: days in those ways, if you have test anxiety, is not helpful. If you can ask your parents to talk about those days in a different way, maybe they're talking about the SAT as the big day, but maybe it's just easier for you if they just referred to the day that you take the SATs as Saturday. Saturday is coming. Oh, you know, that test on Saturday. The mm-hmm. less that you can put... um, qualifiers on it to make it big and scary and the more that you can just make it another day where you have mm-hmm. to do this unpleasant thing but you will survive and you will move on that's a great way of thinking about it but to make put acts, ax- yeah exactly if, if if putting the big big bells and whistles on it is too much just be super casual about it and if your family if your parents can't change their vernacular. Because I was definitely an asshole who'd be like, it's not the big day. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. But if that's not working in your household, you can always correct it in your head. It's just a Saturday. It's just a test. It's not the big test on the big day. Right. If that freaks you out, fuck that. Uh, And my final one, do what's right for you. And don't worry what anybody else has to say or what anybody else thinks about you. I realize that that's a lot harder to do in the day of, Mm -hmm. but it's a really good habit to get into if you are someone who is affected by test anxiety. As I said earlier in this segment, by the time I got that chemistry, by by the time I got to chemistry, I had the water and the Pepto-Bismol and the candy and the stress ball, and then the test came, so I just had tears and I needed some tissue. Whatever you need to get you through a stressful test-taking time, do what's right for you. Take it and fuck what anyone else thinks.
0: Well, sometimes the teacher tells you to throw it out or something. Well, that's true, too. That.
1: That's true, too. That's true, too. To which I would say, yes, then you have to listen to your teacher. But I think I'm saying all this to say test anxiety can make someone who ha- who's crippled by it feel completely alone mm-hmm. and feel completely isolated. And you are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you. This happens to some people and not to others. You are going to get through it. You are not less than you are now stupid. You will absolutely come out of this test on the other side. I promise you that if, if you take anything from this episode, take that with you. If you are affected mm-hmm. by test anxiety, I think I'm being super, uh, I think I'm harping on this fact because I wish that someone would have told me that when I was a student in school. So no one did. So I am telling you, dear listener, And then if you have a pretty intense case of test anxiety, uh, K nor I are doctors. So if this final option uh, seems like something that is up your alley, please seek medical assistance before taking us up on this particular suggestion. But Mm -hmm. for more severe anxiety, medications called beta blockers. So propraninol, I think, is the most... uh, is the one that I'm familiar with or mm-hmm. metro metroprolol mm-hmm. I've never used that actors that I know have used propranolol uh they can be helpful uh beta blockers are used to treat blood pressure and reduce physical symptoms of anxiety oh. so if your test anxiety is so crippling that you need an outside medication please consult a doctor but know that they are also out there for you yes And with that, Katie, what are your wild
0: and crazy college tip that you got for us today? If you are in a college or university setting, check the college website or with your college advisor to see if there's a licensed mental health counselor on campus or in the virtual age in a virtual setting that you can talk to. Um, Most people don't know that most universities and colleges are required to have a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed mental health center or space for students um, to utilize Mm. for free part of your tuition whenever (laughs) you may need it. Uh, As long as you're a student, you can talk to them about anything. Uh, It could be triggering topics uh, like abuse, emotional, physical, or other. You could be talking about your recent breakup with your significant other. You could be talking about how to wrangle your kids together. You could be talking about yep. time <laughs> management real. skills. How are you supposed to prioritize your work life with your school life? You could talk to them about whatever whatever you seem fit. It can be on the any type of range, any type of casual meeting, all the way up to this is a triggering entirely me just crying my eyes out while you sit there and watch me cry my eyes out and I will not say anything Mm -hmm. Um, any type of situation like that (laughs) definitely check it out I know for us um, at our college we are doing zoom appointments for our licensed mental health counselors so they are still available so you should definitely check to see if during this pandemic when we are all working from our dorms or from home if that is a service that is still available to you in a virtual setting they can also pair you with community resources so like a community therapist a community counselor uh mm. who is also licensed if you're looking for long-term therapy long-term assistance with something that would be beyond your time in college so my mm. little tip oh i love those yeah, tips talk to them about your test anxiety. i did not
1: know about yeah like i literally was gonna say i didn't know that i had someone to talk to about my test anxiety when i was in college that's mm-hmm. brilliant
0: that being said We've not everybody connects with everybody. <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> good point um we've covered a lot of ground mm-hmm. in this episode we have we have questioned validity. a long episode we had, yeah and and I, I think going into this katie and i both knew it was going to be a long episode but also going into this katie and i thought gotta do this episode for the person or or people who are on the fence about standardized testing or have always felt like, I'm sorry, what's up with standardized testing? How come it seems easier for some and not as easy for others? We've Mm -hmm. covered a lot. A lot. And we've reached our call to action portion of this episode. And so I think a good place to start with our call to action, um, mm. if you haven't listened to last week's episode about uh, is college really necessary? It's sort of a similar starting call to action here as well, where I recommend slash we recommend to do a little bit of self-assessment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you looking to go into a field of work where you need to go to college or onto higher education that would require you? to need an SAT or an ACT score, are these standardized tests going to be necessary for you going forward? Are they economically feasible for you? Because let us not forget, you have to pay for these tests and all of the materials that go into getting ready for it. Mm -hmm. I think that especially in this time of the pandemic where we're assessing everything, I think that students, no matter your age, Everyone has a right to question if students realize that standardized tests are not for them, they're not going to be going to a higher education or college. They're not going to they're going to leave school and go into the workforce. Mm. Um, What can students then do about getting out of the standardized tests?
0: So one, you know, check with your school to see what your options to waive out of standardized testing is. For most, it's having your parents write a letter to the principal of your school. That being said, it doesn't work for every school, so definitely check with um, you know someone someone close like the principal, the high school counselor, or other to see what your options are. But typically, it's your parent writing the letter for you, saying, "I do not want my child to do standardized testing," and then that is sent to the principal. Mm. So, any alternative that. options? Um. I will always be an advocate for community colleges and technical colleges. If you are thinking about going to college, but you do not want to do the standardized option and your parent may not be willing to write that letter, or there's no other way to waive the option. You could always do high school dual credits. Like I mentioned, if your high school offers it, you could also do community college and then transfer to the university to complete your bachelor degree. Uh, Because when you're transferring from a community college to a university, they only look at your community college grades, not your high school grades, not your high school standardized test scores. So that is also an option. Mm. It will also save you money because community college is significantly cheaper than a university, but you are taking the same classes.
1: (laughs) I like how you hit the significantly cheaper, significantly... no i love it definitely also all this talk about community college um has started me watching the show community again. yes mm-hmm. yep i
0: love that show mm-hmm.
1: it's, somehow in the, in, the, in doing these episodes i have taken a mental break and been in, started watching community again so mm-hmm. uh anyone who wants to get into the community college headspace uh and also be entertained while you do it watch yeah. community I you listen I to these say- episodes.
0: Community has those paintball fights. You will not have that experience in Community College. Yeah. Community
1: also had like a blackface moment, I believe, in season Mm. two that I thought uh, the show had just sort of done away with. But if you are watching Community on Hulu, no, the blackface episode is in there. Conversation for a totally different day. Yeah. But... (laughs) <laughs> that is our show we are the black and yellow podcast i hope Ooh-hoo. that you have found this show super informative if you have let us know your thoughts katie and i want to know how this episode has ha- has made you think has made you feel if you've made some mm-hmm. choices based off of what you have heard and also y'all let us know how you're feeling about katie we are still in yeah. the throes of our podcast search and we want to know how you are liking katie so we are on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. You can also email us if you want to give us big, massive chunks of your mind <laughs> and your time. And our Gmail address is podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram independently. I'm Alana mm-hmm. Webster. However, on the gram, you can find me at Renegade of Fun.
0: Oh, and I'm Katie Ohashi. You can find me at dis Villain Scholar. <laughs> because I love Disney villains I still anytime you you drop that handle I
1: still love it, it it's a little bit hip hop but very mm. Disney it's, it's mm. I love it I love it uh, also if you like what you hear please hop on to Apple iTunes Spotify rate and review tell a friend about this episode share it if you feel so moved to Uh, Rates, reviews, all of that goodness really helped to keep this baby moving forward. And we will be back next week for another episode, another educational episode of the Black and Yellow Podcast. Bye, guys. Take it easy. Bye.